It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing all right today. Today's show, she's being brought to you in a part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simon's Island, in the state of Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. And speaking of St. Simon's, you're not going to want to miss our next Billy C. get-together. It's taking place September 13th, 14th, and 15th. I know what you're thinking. Man, Billy C., that's a long way away. Make your plans now. It's going to be the best Billy C. event that we've ever had. We're going to have a golf tournament. We're going to have a fishing tournament. We're going to have a meet and greet. We're going to have former world champions and celebrities there to hang out with you. Uh, We are going to have a memorabilia show. Uh, We are having a bunch of stuff, plus dinner at South. All of this uh, is happening on September 13th, 14th, and 15th. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday may even end up being, our fight night might end up being the uh, pay-per-view for Canelo Triple G, if that happens. Uh, So make sure you make your plans now. We're including everything but lodging. And the reason is because there's so many options uh, around that area. So if you want to get on a list, and that's what I'm saying, you got to have a ticket, uh, drop me an email, billy at talkinboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. A great event. For you, your buddies, your family, anybody, trust me, this is the one that you're not going to want to miss. Get on the list now. Space is limited. Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. And also, uh, speaking of which, uh, hey, you want to stay at a Holiday Inn property? Get a Billy C. discount. That's right. All this talk that Sal and I have been doing for months about uh, the Holiday Inn properties, we got, they liked it so much that they gave us... A deal for you. If you call toll-free 844-603-0364, you're going to get a Billy C. discount on any room that you get, no matter where you go. Uh, or if you like me and you can't remember numbers, just click on the banner, which is on uh, the front page of BillyCBoxing.com. That's uh, 844-603-0364, toll-free. So you're not going to want to uh, uh, miss that, that's for sure. Um And finally, uh, today's show is being brought to us in part by, you guessed it, you guessed it, my book, Tom Molyneux, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now 
while you're watching or listening to this show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant uh, about getting this guy's story told. It's a true story, and uh, you're going to love it. So uh, get yourself a copy. Looking to get a signed copy? Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, just visit billycboxing.com. Hey, I want to give a shout-out to everybody that's saying hey to us in our uh, chat rooms. Yeah, I say chat rooms because uh, we've been uh, trying to be more active on the YouTube uh, side, the YouTube boxing community. So uh, come on over and check us out there. I want to uh, say hello to everybody there. Plus, I want to thank everybody for the super chat. And remember, uh, if you uh, put your money where your mouth is, uh, I'll do uh, whatever you're asking me to do. And uh, uh, shout out to everyone in the official chat room on BillyCBoxing.com. And, of course, our simulcast up on Facebook. Uh, all of that's happening. But listen, uh, what we're going to talk about today, uh, first and foremost, um, the fight, man. This is going to be our post-fight. Dax Khan will be joining us uh, uh, in about an hour. Um, Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker went the distance on Saturday night. Uh, a lot of a uh, lot of stuff going on about that. A lot of opinions. Uh, joining me right now to get his opinion first uh, before I give you guys mine uh, is my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Bill. How are you today? Oh, not too bad, my man. Not too bad. Uh, Anthony Joshua beats Joseph Parker in a unanimous decision. He improves to 21-0 with 20 knockouts. First time he did not get a knockout. 80,000 people uh, once again uh, uh, in attendance. Um, what was your thoughts on the fight, my man? My real thoughts on the fight, unfortunately, um, it was just a very lackluster not a ex very exciting fight. And uh, you had a lot going on with the referee. You had a lot going on where I didn't see any sense of urgency uh, from either fighter to do something different other than waltz around the ring. And, and, and I saw the same first three rounds. I saw the same first three rounds as they did the last three rounds, and as well as the middle rounds, and maybe even the quarter rounds. So uh, it really wasn't that exciting of a fight. I have comments of what each fighter should have done and could have done to maybe maybe uh, oust the other uh, even more convincingly. And I did give Anthony Joshua pretty much every round. Uh, and in fact, I think I did score him every round as uh, 10 points. Um, yeah, I think that uh, uh, we had uh, with Parker, he made a mistake. He should have fought like a small fighter. He tried to stand up and box with a with a bigger guy, and uh, instead of doing what Mike Tyson would have done. Mike Tyson, I, I, I kept thinking about Mike Tyson if he was fighting Anthony Joshua the other night. Mike Tyson would have been a smaller fighter, would have moved his head side to side, would have wandered and would have worked his way inside and probably ripped Anthony Joshua up like a buzz buzzsaw. But that's what I thought Joseph Parker should have tried to fight like, and he didn't. But anyway, what's your opinion? How would you like it? Well... I mean, to be honest with you, honest. you know, at first, would I be any other way, Sal? I, I mean, you. come on. <laughs> um, uh, listen, I was waiting for something to happen. Me too. And, uh, and, and here's, you know, after I watched it again, first of all, let me just start off by saying this. <laughs> if anybody out there can actually sit through a broadcast with Rollo Morallo, Morallo Marillo, uh, Rinaldo, um doing the commentary, more power to you. 
Uh, I might even give you a prize because this guy is the worst. I, I mean, with, he, he's just trying to be funny and, and all this stuff, and, and he's such a jerk. Uh, I, I can't listen to him. I, I, I just can't. And it's a shame because Al Bernstein and Paulie Malinaji are good. And this it's guy good. just brings them down. I love Al Bernstein and Paulie Malinaji. Oh, but, but this guy, Ronaldo, brings them down. I mean, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. But anyway, on to the fight. Um, what I saw, I'll start off by, everybody knows I'm a big Anthony Joshua fan. So I'm going to start off by saying this. Anthony Joshua did not cut off the ring. And, you know, that's something that bothers me when I see a world-class level fighter. And I don't care. Listen, I call a spade a spade. And Anthony Joshua, although I respect him for, um, you know, getting better and better and better, um, uh, you know, every time out, it doesn't matter. You can't use I'm still learning as an excuse because once you're a champion, and this guy has a, a collection of belts now, once you're a, a champion, you can't use that I'm still learning as an excuse. Not that he did. but um, So with that said, I'm just, I, I can't understand how a, a fighter who's uh, 21 and 0 now doesn't know how to cut the ring off, especially a guy that's been at, at that kind of a level. Now, with that said, you know, Joseph Parker made it difficult by moving around a lot, you know. Um, but, I, I mean, at some point, you got to cut the ring off. You, you, you know, I didn't see any power shots, no. really, that no. Anthony Joshua let loose. I really didn't. I didn't see him connect solidly with anything, to be honest with no. you. People are saying, oh, he connected. He, he hurt Joseph Parker a couple of rounds. Um, I didn't really see it. Uh, but I, I saw some holes. I saw a lack of defense from AJ. Um, you know, Joseph Parker took a decent shot, even though I didn't feel that AJ landed anything flush. Um, the referee was uh, kind of preventing an in-fight, which, I, you know, I yeah, thought I was. thought was that was Joseph Parker's best opportunity to get in best. tight. Um, but uh, I wasn't... I wasn't overly impressed. To be honest with you, since the Klitschko fight, uh, Anthony Joshua has fought two fights, and both of those fights he looked extremely ordinary to me. Um, I also was questioning some of the instruction from the corner, Sal. I heard uh, Bob McCracken say, um, don't go for the body. I'm saying to myself, why? Why? I, why would a trainer tell his fighter not to work the body? I mean, I, you know, I get it. That Anthony Joshua tried us to utilize, uh, you know, standing up straight, a la Lennox Lewis, using his height as an advantage. But, uh, but I mean, you had to slow this guy down some way, right? I mean, uh, you know, he's running around, bouncing all around, talking about jo- uh, uh, Joseph yeah. Parker. Uh, how do you slow him down? If you can't cut the ring off and prevent him from moving, you, you, you got you to gotta work the body, slow him down. The other thing is that uh, I, I didn't see uh, Anthony Joshua with any sense of urgency in this fight. Um, no defense. He kept dropping his hand. I, all I kept thinking was, Deontay Wilder, as limited as I think he is, Bingo. Um, which he is, uh, Deontay Wilder is extremely limited. But what Deontay Wilder does is he uses the only weapon he has, which is his power hand, and he waits patiently before he lands it. And I thought by watching uh, Anthony Joshua 
I said to myself, the way he's keeping his hands uh, down a little bit, uh, leaving himself open, uh, trying to set up a counterpunch, uh, I, I think Deontay might have caught up with him. If the same version, all I'm saying is this, if the same version of Anthony Joshua that we saw on Saturday night and the Anthony Joshua that fought Carlos to come stepped in the ring with Deontay Wilder, the version of Deontay Wilder we saw in his last two fights, I'd be a little nervous for AJ. What's your thoughts? Well, you exactly on the same page because that's exactly the three things I was thinking about watching this fight was what would a Mike Tyson have done against Anthony Joshua? He would have ripped through him like a buzzsaw. If, if if that version, as you suggested, like Anthony Joshua. I mean, and this guy's had a pedigree amateur career. And not to use some basic moves, just to cut off a ring. I mean, like like, like a predator, you, you, you go in there and you're going to seek and destroy. And I didn't see that from Anthony Joshua. And the fight that I saw that uh, Joseph Parker was offering was just, let me try and trade a jab, let me try and stay on the outside. And yeah, when he tried to get in the inside, the referee would break him apart. So they both did not fight the style or the kind of fight that I thought they would give them more or each of the, the, these guys uh, a better opportunity to, uh, to be uh, dominant in a fight. And I'll tell you, we said it earlier, there was no lack of urgency from either fighter or either camp. And, uh, you know, Anthony Joshua, uh, like I said, first three rounds look like the last three rounds. And uh, I was also thinking about what would happen if Deontay Wilder was in that ring with either opponent. I, Deontay Wilder would have teed off uh, on a Joseph Parker and, and stopped them. Uh, and I think, like you suggested, if the same Anthony Joshua was in a ring with Deontay Wilder, Deontay, Deontay Wilder, no matter how you feel, the guy makes things happen. And that right hand, if you're looking to unload that right hand, it's going to be at one point unloaded and it's going to find its target. So I think uh, I think uh, Deontay Wilder missed a big opportunity not being ringside for this fight and giving his thoughts about what he would be doing. Well, we'll get to more on what he's saying he wants to do. But uh, uh, I, listen, all I'm saying is, is that the version of Anthony Joshua that we saw on Saturday – um, would make a very interesting fight against Deontay Wilder. Do I think Wilder would beat him? No, I don't. Because the difference between Deontay Wilder and Joseph Parker is that Parker clearly has other skill set. Uh, this was a guy that does work the body. He did have a fast jab, even though, even though he was not in the right position. I think that the six-inch reach advantage or disadvantage uh, for Joseph Parker really came into play, Sal, because he could not, that extra six inches, um, you know, where he could have been landing, uh, you know, stinging jabs would have put him in, in AJ's wheelhouse, and he knew that, and he, and he stayed away. So it was more of a nuisance jab to keep AJ away from him and I think he was okay with doing that for 12 rounds. Now, with Deontay Wilder, and again, I happened to, in some downtime yesterday, even though it was a holiday, I, I went back and, and was watching uh, the fight against Luis Ortiz. Now, granted, Luis Ortiz is a southpaw, but Deontay throws his punches so wildly, and he's so out of, out of position, especially with his fit footwork, which I know you think is good, but, I, I mean, it's it's a joke. Good for his body uh, type and good for his size. Well, it's not good for anybody, but uh, uh, I, I would think uh, 
that if Luis Ortiz was able to counter him, uh, that AJ would. And I and it almost seemed like AJ was waiting patiently for jo- for uh, for Joseph Parker to make a mistake. And to Parker's credit, he didn't. Um, neither fighter looked like they took too much of a beating. But like you, uh, Anthony Joshua won that fight. I mean, it, you know, I don't know what fight Steve Farhood was watching. His scorecards were, were was a lot closer. Um, the only I, I I did give Joseph Parker two rounds in the fight. I, I gave him the first round. You know, everybody else was giving Anthony Joshua th- that first round, and I'm saying to myself, why he didn't do anything in the first round? You know, uh, but it was a tricky fight to score, depending upon uh, what you were looking for. Uh, but uh, I felt that Anthony Joshua won the fight. wasn't his best performance, but a win's a win, and yes. he picked up a belt. I mean, basically, just like we were saying on Friday, this guy, regardless of of who you think is better, him or Deontay, is and has to be considered the heavyweight champion of the world right now. Um, you know, you can't try and say you got to come to me when you got one belt and this guy already has four. You know, I mean, now Anthony Joshua. Uh, is the uh, uh, IBO, WBA, uh, IBF, and WBO world champion. Uh, so, uh, and not that belts make a difference, but at least he's got uh, four of the five major uh, sanctioning bodies, Sal. Absolutely, and I will tell this, and I would like to tell all the sanctioning bodies out there and all the boxing commissioners out there that the only fight in the heavyweight division that the fans wish to see right now is going to be Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder for the unification, the ultimation, and the invitation to see one heck of a heavyweight championship title bout. And that's the only fight I want to see either of these guys do right now. Um, just want to give a, a, a huge uh, shout-out to NBT Boxing uh, with a, with a big-time uh, uh, super chat right now. I appreciate that. Uh, he did uh, put his money where his mouth was, uh, predicting, uh, uh, I believe he was the one that predicted that. Him and Scholar both predicted that uh, uh, Parker would beat Joshua, I think. Uh, but uh, NBT Boxing uh, becoming uh, a big fan of uh, me. I'm a big fan of his, I should say, uh, other way around. But I appreciate uh, uh, the uh, putting the money where your mouth is, NBT Boxing. Uh, if you want to see what I'm talking about, go visit the uh, chat room up on YouTube. Um, just to touch base real quick on the other fights on that card, uh, uh, Alexander Povetkin improved to 34 and won with 24 knockouts when he, I mean, almost killed David Price in the fifth round, uh, knocking David Price out. Uh, Price drops to 22 and five. Um, he uh, put Price on the canvas in the third round, uh, and then. Uh, uh, Price uh, actually came back um, and uh, threw, uh, uh, got a knockdown uh, against uh, Povetkin because he was against the ropes. The uh, referee called it a knockdown, uh, but then uh, one minute and two seconds uh, into the uh, fifth round, uh, Povetkin ended it. Also on that card, uh, WBA champion in the bantamweight division, Ryan uh, Burnett, improved to 19 and 0 with nine knockouts when he won a unanimous decision over uh, Jan Frez Pyro, uh, who drops to 21, 3 and 1. Uh, also, uh, Anthony uh, Kralla improved to 33 and 6 with three draws uh, when he beat Edison Ramirez, who drops to 18, 3 and 1. Uh, two judges, well, one judge had it 100 to 91, one had it 100 to 90, and the third saw it 98, 92. 
Josh Kelly, uh, an uh, unbeaten uh, big-time welterweight prospect. He improved to 6-0 with four knockouts when he beat Carlos Molina. This was a huge test for Josh Kelly and sp speaks volumes uh, of how good this kid is. Carlos Molina, no dumb, I mean, no, uh, <laughs> no dummy, uh, no slouch, former world champion. 98-92 uh, twice, 99-91 over eight, three judges saw it. And uh, Joshua Butasi improved to 6-0 with four knockouts when he beat uh, Bartholomew uh, Grafta in a uh, light uh, heavyweight matchup. So uh, those were some other uh, fights. Now, um, we are going to take a short break here right now because uh, we want to add a little more to the uh, Anthony Joshua-Deontay Wilder uh, fuse because of... Uh, just another one of those ignorant statements that Deontay Wilder had to say. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Hey, I got to give a, a shout-out to... Uh, uh, jo Joseph Olson, I, I, I missed his super chat too, man. And uh, he's calling us pound for pound best on YouTube for a boxing show, which I appreciate it. And Thank now, you, I, you know, these guys in the YouTube chat room are, are making me uh, go back to school, Sal, because uh, one of the guys uh, wants to, uh, he asked me, how much for a wrench? I'm like, uh, what's a wrench? He says, you're missing out. You're missing out. So I got to know what the hell's going on. You know, I, I just want to say this. We've been broadcasting utilizing youtube but we really didn't care too much about youtube to be honest with you um our focal point was you know television radio etc etc and i've become very interested in the youtube uh, boxing community it Big. seems like Big. what's starting to ha well what's happening now sal is a lot of those you know troll type uh people that i thought was all the youtube boxing co community has kind of They've kind of went away in terms of our show, and we're really picking up a lot of knowledgeable guys, and uh, I really appreciate it. And well, it's fun. And, now, and the, the fans are there. Well, uh, it's fun for me, and and I'm and I'm looking yeah. to uh, uh, really uh, improve our presence. But anyway, let's get back to business here. Um, the truth of the matter is, is uh, you know there was a, some news prior to the uh, Anthony Joshua Joseph Parker fight that Deontay Wilder uh, went on basically in the news and says he wants to kill somebody in the ring um it's caused a lot of uh discussion some people are actually supportive of it most people are negative especially the wbc they're they're you know have made a statement that they're going to investigate uh the comments made by uh deontay wilder and the comments were he says i want a body on my record i want one i really do that's the bronze bomber uh he wants one I always wow. tell people that when I'm in the ring, then I'm the bronze bomber. And with him, it's so crazy. I really don't care. Everything about me changes. I don't get nervous. I don't get scared. I don't get butterflies. I don't have any feelings towards the other man in that fight. The power that I have, 
it's easy to be able to do, meaning kill somebody. Uh, I thought I had it one time with Artur Spitzka because he wasn't breathing when he hit the canvas. Somebody's going to go. Um, wow. Wow. I am not too keen on that. I, uh, uh, I don't care yeah. what you're doing. I mean, uh, uh, this is a guy that uh, obviously is in a position where he has to self-promote, um, but, uh, but this is over the top. I mean, you know, you're dealing with a – Dangerous sport to begin with, Sal. I know you're a big Wilder fan. How are you feeling uh, after a comment like that? I, you know, I, I, I want to read it and digest it and assess it uh, myself uh, to give an opinion. But uh, from what I'm hearing from you, uh, that's not a good comment. And I'm, I'm very disappointed. If he is talking almost in the, in the realm of premeditated like hey he wants to kill somebody uh you could say hey i'm gonna kill you and it's like hey i'm gonna destroy and 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 really just beat the heck out of you and win the fight but when you say i want to kill you and get a body on my record i mean that's almost premeditated and that that's that's that that does not even smell right or should be any way shape or form uh, acceptable, and I'm a little disappointed if that's the intent or that's the the mindset that he he was utilizing. No, I'm very I'm very taken by that. That's not good. Yeah, it's um, uh, it, it's not uh, it's. I mean, in realities, it's not good. In well, reality, the, it's not good. The thing is, I understand. I, believe it or not, I understand what. Well, I, I don't really understand what his original. You see, he's trying to get attention. Trying to promote himself. Right? Um, and and unfortunately, I mean, this is what I was trying to say last week. Deontay Wilder needs to kick those guys to the curb. All those hands in his pockets, those guys that are mismanaging him and making him really go down the wrong path. And like you said when we opened up the show, there was no reason Deontay Wilder wasn't ringside for this fight. Um, you know, to to suggest that that they would have been using Deontay. Deontay would have been using them for getting some publicity. There yeah. was 80,000 people there that, that he could have, um, you know, let take a look at him up close. Um, I, I think it was a huge mistake. Anthony Joshua had this to say about Deontay Wilder's boast that he wanted to kill somebody. He says, uh, "Eat to each their own. Uh, that's what you're going to get. That's what he wants to do. I wouldn't want a body on my record. I always say a little prayer in the corner. I pray for Thank the you. success, uh, and I pray for his health and that he'll be safe when he leaves the ring. I even made sure I spoke to Parker's mom. We're in England. They say mom. Uh, you know, I, I spoke to Parker's mom uh, before she left and said, pat your son on the back. He's done well, and he'll be back. Why would I want to kill her son in the ring to each his own? Um, it, you know, I... It's uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. Now, when we look at the potential matchup between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, which, uh, you know, at least they're talking about the possibility that this fight uh, very well may take place next. Um, we've said this do. many, many times. There is no other fight that should take place. Yeah, you know, Dillian White, uh, you know, earned a shot maybe, or you could say this guy or that guy, you know, let's prolong it. No. Uh, there'll be another big fight. The Dillian Whites and the Jarrell Baby Millers and the Alexander Povetkins and, and you know, Kubop Pulov and, and, you know, all those other guys, you know, Dominic Brazil, all those other guys that are in the mix fight each other. 
And then the winner of those fights will get a shot at the winner of AJ versus Wilder. And remember something. The way the landscape is with the heavyweight uh, picture in any division now, Sal, even if the unifi- even if all the titles are unified, there'll be a time when one of the sanctioning bodies are ordering a mandatory when the fighter can't possibly fulfill all the mandatory requirements and they'll get stripped. So there'll be another opportunity. Now, now the fighter will have a chance to unify again, but there'll be another opportunity to become a champion. So uh, that fight has to take place next. What's your thoughts? Oh, you know that. That's that's all I've been professing. I mean, you know, you've got the mix of the heavyweight uh, contenders out there. Some of them are pretenders. Some of them are contenders. And you know what? There's plenty of opposition out there, including Tyson Fury, including uh, this one, that one. These guys could have, as I usually declare, a round robin of fights to see who, what cream rises to the top and what what's going to sink to the bottom. And I think they could easily have a, even a contendership tournament between all of them and let the cream rise to the top to see who's in the position. And guess what? If you get uh, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua in the ring next, those two guys, win, lose, or draw, you're going to have two guys are going to be looking to face the top contenders uh, no matter what happens in that fight. So the big fight we need to see next in the heavyweight division is going to be Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. That's the only fight I want to see in the heavyweight division. Um, <laughs> they just told me what a wrench is. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm learning every day. What is it? I, I knew sure. I, it's it's like uh, it's like a moderator in there, but I I uh, okay. uh, I um, I, I've I've already decided I was going to go down a different road with with moder- okay. moderators. But uh, in any event, listen the the fight. You know when we look at Deontay Wilder. Uh, yeah, that is the only fight. I, I don't think that he needs to to do that. I, you know to say those things. Um, it really, it, what he's doing is he's beginning to alienate himself uh, because a guy like that that says that, all of a sudden, certain people in the, in the industry um, will, will want to distance themselves from him. And uh, that will hurt him. I actually think that that statement um, devalued Deontay Wilder in a sense, Sal, um, because if, if he maintained the same, you know, uh, I want him. You know, don't duck me anymore, AJ. I'm the only fight. I want you. You can't fight. You got to fight me, Baba. If he kept that up, that would have been a way more powerful approach than the the one he decided. I mean, who knows what he's going to say? They have this press conference scheduled for Tuesday, but um, I don't know. I, I, I said what he should do. I said that this guy should change uh, his, his shtick a little bit. And he would get more money in his pocket. See, what's going to happen is they're going to make an offer to him, and he's not going to take it, and then he's going to continue saying that they're ducking him. That's the full side. You know, there's always three sides to the story, Sal. You know, uh, AJ's, Wilder's, and then the truth. Well, we know that. And uh, like I said, I think think in all fairness, uh, Deontay Wilder does need to be compensated fairly. And uh, but it, it, and it should definitely be enough for him to have the incentive to say, hey, 
I'm going to be uh, compensated, but I, I definitely am going to want this opportunity. I'm not going to walk away from it. And uh, so don't use that as a, as leverage to think that uh, I'm not going to just want to be treated fairly. So I, I, I think they'll be able to get it around and, and negotiate and find a happy medium between everybody. I'm hoping for that anyway. And you know what? You know, it's a shame. All I could think about when we, we've been talking for the last six months to a year about the poor promotion that Deontay Wilder has has had the path to endure and to, to be a part of. You know who, who would have been a perfect, perfect match for Deontay Wilder would have been a Don King. And uh, I, I just can't believe that that, that, that un, union would have never taken place. But uh, uh, that you would see a different Deontay Wilder and a different approach and different uh, aura, if you will, if there was a Don King promoter-like behind the Deontay Wilder. Well, I, you know, I hate to say this, but Eddie Hearn would be perfect for Deontay Wilder. Yeah, he I, would. I, I mean, Eddie Everybody Hearn, perfect. Ed, listen, Better Eddie Hearn, some people don't like him or whatever, you know, but the truth of the matter is the guy knows how to promote. I mean, he's the only one that has expanded into the U.S. from Europe successfully. You know, we've had some of our own promoters here in the States, I say our own, U.S.-based promoters that have, you know, ventured out into other countries and have done okay, but not on a consistent basis. Time will tell if Eddie Hearn will do it on a consistent basis, but he is seemingly uh, setting himself up to do so. The problem with the U.S. promoters is the greed factor. Uh, Bob Arum and Top Rank, uh, you know, went that whole run in China for a while, uh, but that stopped. So speaking of stopping, I got to stop right now. Take a short break. When we come back, uh, we'll got a little more discussion. I got to also, so you're not going to want to miss this. I got to give some credit to Bob Bennett from the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Uh, I know I feel that he's a gutless, spineless piece of garbage, uh, but he finally may have stepped up to the plate. I'll get to that a little bit later. Dax Khan around nine. Don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. Oh, I guess that's my cue, huh? Yeah, okay. And we're back. You're watching. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Sal's laughing at me over there. Yeah, I, I know. I'm sitting here. I, 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 you know, talk about multitasking, Sal, uh, you know. But uh, listen, we got Dax Khan coming up in about a half hour. Uh, we want to talk more about uh, Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker. I got some emails I want to read concerning that. Um, but first, I, I want to give some credit. Yeah, you, you heard that. I want to give some credit to Bob Bennett, uh, who is... Uh, uh, involved with the Nevada State Athletic Commission. He's actually the face of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, even though there's a whole slew of guys that make the decisions. It was announced uh, on Friday that uh, 
they have um, issued official complaint and has requested, Bob uh, Bennett has requested disciplinary action against Canelo Alvarez for testing positive uh, with the banned substance clarambuterol. Apparently, uh, the uh, uh, the amounts that have come, you know been proven that he was was in his system uh, were uh, were way higher than uh, originally anticipated. Um, it looks very likely that the Triple G versus Canelo fight scheduled for May fifth will not take place. As a matter of fact, the uh, uh, arena has already given back uh, refunds for the tickets. Uh, they're looking for a substitute to fight uh, Triple G, and they're already trying to get the date for September um, for that fight. Now, my thoughts on this, Sal, are simple. The delay is not a good idea for, for, for Triple G. I still feel strongly about, first of all, credit to Bob Bennett um, because he had to do this. He had to do this. Uh, you have to make a stand and send a signal. Uh, Canelo, not to single him out for any other reason other than he was popped, man. He was guilty. Uh, and you got to send a message. If you want to try and clean up the sport, you got to send a message. It seems uh, like that message is being sent. Now, the official announcement will be taking place on April 10th. Uh, according to Canelo and Triple G, both teams claim that they're still training for each other for May 5th. So we'll see what happens. Um, but, uh, Sal, I, I honestly believe that if, uh, if this fight does get canceled for May 5th, I don't think Triple G should fight Canelo at all. I think he should move on, fight whoever in May, and then uh, focus on uh, Billy Joe Saunders. Billy Joe Saunders has already said he's not going to fight in May uh, but, uh, against Triple G. But um, but I, I, I box out Canelo altogether. I, I mean, I think he can make the money that he was going to make against Canelo in England fighting Billy Joe Saunders. What's your quick thoughts? Well, I think that would be a dynamite fight. I think that it would be a big, well-promoted fight. And I'm sure he can make the same amount of money or, or close there. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of fans still want to see uh, Canelo and Triple G pick up in round 13, if you will. Uh, you know, and, and I, I could also couldn't help but to, but think about every time I see a, a fight with a little controversy or a little bit of this, I just can't believe that we still, we cannot return back to a world title fight to be uh, the distance of, four, of 15 rounds. I, I, I really wish they would bring that back for world championship title bouts, 15 rounds. Well, I mean... Uh... It'll give Deontay Wilder more time to kill somebody in the ring if they give him uh, 15 rounds. But uh, anyway, let's read some emails. Um, my man Chip, he says, uh, uh, okay, he says, it just got worse. I think even Sal's going to lose a little for this guy now. First of all, I hope uh, this call uh, isn't to announce his fight with Baby Miller. I'm hoping it's to announce uh, a fight with White followed by a two-fight deal with AJ. He's referring to the... Uh, inter, uh, international media conference call that has been arranged for Deontay Wilder 
uh, on Tuesday. He says, uh, you see, Billy, every time you want to give this guy credit, he does something stupid like this. The only way I can translate this is he's basically saying he wants to kill somebody in the ring. You're right. The guy isn't the smartest tack on the board. I understand boxing's crazy, but you just don't say something like this. Not a guy who's 40 uh, and 0 with 39 knockouts, especially not a guy who fights in New York, uh, especially now that they have the safety first commission uh, based on the Abdul... Uh, uh, Mag, uh, Magazul, uh, Abdul, uh, what Abdul Zamal? Uh, what, I'm trying to forget. Now I forgot the guy's name, uh, and I and he he didn't spell it right here. Abdul is it Abdul? It's Abdul Zamal, right? Uh, anyway, the guy twenty two million dollars um, in uh, in that uh, situation. Um, he says uh, uh, it's a joke. Um, Sal, you already felt that uh, that that was over the top. It's uh, Magomed Abdulzamov is, is how you say his name. It was going to bother me until I said it right. But you're already not uh, supportive of uh, uh, that statement from Wilder, right? Well, if that's the true statement, uh, as as uh, it has been presented, I, like I said, I didn't hear it. I didn't read it verbatim, but I, I I'd like to see, and I but I would be disappointed. If it's something almost declared as, hey, I want to have a notch in my belt on this level. I don't think ever in the history of boxing. I mean, you could hear to promote a fight. Hey, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But it, it's it's more uh, projected in a mannerism that, guess what? You have no chance. You're going to be picking yourself up off the mat, but uh, off the canvas. Uh, but not literally... Um, kill as in deceased or murder and that 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 goes a little bit over the top and i don't think in the history of boxing i have ever heard one fighter declare he wants to kill another fighter in the ring i just don't think i've ever heard that well listen you know he take a life he, away he premised it he premised it by saying that you know he's got an alter ego is the bronze bomber and the bronze bomber said he wants to kill somebody in the ring, not Deontay. See, this this is the point is Deontay Wilder, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, and he's being manipulated. It's a shame. I, you know, everything aside from who you think is better and everything else, I feel sorry for Deontay Wilder because Deontay Wilder, and I know we've kept making comparisons with him and Toro from uh, the fictional character in Harder They Fall. But it's so true. I mean, here's a guy that clearly is a dummy, okay? I mean, I'm sorry, and I don't, you know, I, he, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. He's surrounded himself with guys that are clearly misleading him. He's turning things around to make it look like everybody's against him in terms of, you know, uh, Eddie Hearn, uh, you know, the establishment, so to speak. Uh, and really, if he looked at all in the hands in his pockets, he would realize that he's the guy being taken advantage of. To make a statement like that, and then, like I'm always saying, how people are not held accountable for their actions, he, he spins it like he's got an alter ego named the Bronze Bomber, and that's who's saying he wants to kill somebody. Um, it's, it's sad, really. Um, my man Mitch says, uh, I don't want to make excuses, but... Uh, listen, this fight was a tactical fight. He's talking about the fight itself. I know many fans didn't like it, but sometimes in boxing you have to put your uh, hard hat on and go in there and give a hard day uh, work at the office. 
Is the young man flawed? Absolutely. But like he said, meaning AJ, he's the IBO, WBA, IBF, and WBO champion in only his 21st fight. For everyone that says, um, now I see why he's avoided Wilder, I'll just say this. Weren't we saying Wilder wasn't ready for AJ like three fights ago? It's like tomorrow, uh, or t he wrote this yesterday, it's like tonight's NCAA matchup. And he, he says, against my Michigan Wolverines, I am not a Michigan Wolverine fan. You better get that straight, Mitch. Otherwise, we're not bringing you down to the Billy C. event. You better get that straight. <laughs> I'm an Alabama fan. I, I, I can't stand Michigan. Uh, and I do like Villanova, uh, but I'm not a big hoops guy. Uh, he says, the hottest team right now, uh, Michigan Wilder, against the best team, Nova, which is AJ. The 12 rounds he went yesterday combined with the 10 and a half and 9 and a half rounds he went with Klitschko and come help him. Uh, one thing I noticed, I always wanted Joshua to lose the bulk in favor of the lean muscle. For example, if you compare the physique of Klitschko when he fought Sam Peter versus one who fought Joshua, there was a big difference. Klitschko, Klitschko came in lean against AJ and fought well. Well, uh, AJ came in 12 pounds lighter than he did against the comp. And while I liked how he looked, he never, uh, he did it over the course of one training camp, not over eight months. Uh, I wonder if he left something in the gym leading up to this, maybe a bit flat. Could be. Good, excellent point by my man Mitch. He says not to discredit Parker, who's a mover and has fast hands. Whether AJ was flat or not, he needs uh, ballet lessons. His feet got crossed a few times, and Walla will use his athleticism to move when they fight. Because Absolutely. of AJ's bad footwork, uh, he got hit with punches and looked like he was badly hurt. Uh, then the replays show that the punches didn't, like the announcers said they did. His clumsy, clum, uh, clumsy reactions to those punches could sway judges uh, in the future. Uh, there were at least three occasions I thought he was buzzed, and then the replay showed uh, that um, the uh, fight, the uh, punches either missed, grazed him, or were actually blocked. His stamina needs work. Uh, with some guys you can't do anything about, but he didn't tire as bad as I thought he did uh, in those fifth and ninth rounds. He didn't tire, he's saying. Uh, Parker did well, but when people take the time to stop jumping on AJ's bones and explore how many rounds Parker actually won, uh, I wonder what number they'll come up with. He fought his best defensive fight of his career, but what rounds did he actually win? Um he also has the punch stats he sent me here, subjective stats, um, that uh, uh, Parker uh, uh, threw 46 uh, fewer jabs. Um, he also says 70.5% uh, of Joshua's uh, total output and 66.9% uh, connections were made up uh, of, uh, of that, you know, uh, of Joshua's 64.2% of Parker's output and 48.5%. Uh, uh, was his total connects. Um, I, you know, interesting, uh, interesting points that, uh, uh, that, that Mitch makes. Uh, you know, everybody was making a big deal about the weights out, but it seemed to maybe take a little pop away from him too. But, but I think Mitch makes a great point. He lost that weight over eight months period, not over a longer period of time. Could he have possibly left something in the gym? What, what do you think? No, I I don't know. I I don't think so. I think maybe maybe if he left anything, it was his uh, uh, psyche that 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 the urgency. The you know I I was very disappointed on this level with both fighters. I saw mostly one punch at a time, uh, a punch for a punch, traded for a punch. I didn't see the combinations, and I did see a few times where I thought Parker landed. 
In fact, it was uh, towards the three-quarter mark or maybe just after the halfway mark of the sixth round. I thought that Parker caught A.J. with the right uppercut. And uh, I, I said, well, you got him. You stunned him. Why don't you jump on him? And he didn't. And I, I, maybe he, maybe it was something that I missed. Maybe he didn't hit him as, as, as flush as I thought he did. But uh, I thought he got his attention. And uh, but that's just what I'm saying. I didn't see the combinations fly. I didn't see in Parker. He should have been fighting a smaller. He was small to begin with. He shouldn't have tried to trade and box with with uh, Anthony Joshua like he did. He should have been moving in, trying to cut off the ring on Joshua and trying to slip inside, trying to throw the combinations. He had the speed. He had the ability. And to get in, throw the combinations, get out, step out. And you know what I don't see today in boxing? At least in this this past weekend, and I was waiting for it. You don't see the art of fainting, faking a punch, and and going to the opposite. You don't see that anymore. And these guys would have been primed for it. And uh, whether it's to the head, whether it's to the body, uh, you don't see. It. And if it was a tactical fight, you would see it, but you don't see it. No, I, the fight was a tactical fight. I, you know, I, I I just think Anthony Joshua. Um, uh, you know, he was fighting smart, I guess. Uh, you know, Parker was fighting to survive. Uh, you know, Parker became complacent with... Um, they both you know, became complacent. Well, well, uh, Anthony Joshua was, was waiting. It, 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 this is the way I saw it. I, I thought that Anthony Joshua was waiting for an opportunity that never came. Rather than try to, ra- rather than try to create the opportunity, Sal. Uh, in yeah. other words, you know, you you have one of two choices when you're fighting. You can either make something happen or wait for something to happen. You know, Floyd Mayweather's was very successful at waiting for his opponent to make a mistake, or even waiting for his opponent to throw a punch that he could counter or capitalize or or whatever. Uh, same thing, Manny Pacquiao used to do something very similar uh, with counterpunching, but then at times Manny Pacquiao would engage and try to make something happen. Anthony Joshua seemed like the game plan was to wait for Joseph Parker to lunge in at him because he was giving up the six-inch reach and counterpunch it. We did see that. We did see A.J., uh, you know, trying to be effective with a quick, snappy counterpunch. The problem was, was that Parker would throw his little couple of one, two jab, 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 and then move. So that by the time AJ released his punch, it either grazed uh, Parker or missed him. Uh, I believe that that uh, you know the the biggest problem that AJ had in this fight was that he didn't have a seek and destroy, cut the ring off. Uh, type of an attitude I, and, and every time he did get him against the ropes uh, you know our paisan would break him apart I mean uh, that did I saw some funny things somebody wrote somebody wrote I don't know where I saw it but somebody wrote um, uh, I'm gonna I, I'm really tired after watching this fight I, I'm I'm gonna go to bed but I'm afraid the referee's gonna separate me from my sheets you know so I, you know which That's I thought funny. was pretty funny. funny but uh, but I, you know it just seemed like AJ didn't do enough from the aggressiveness point, Sal. No, I agree. You know, like I like you, you said or suggested earlier, there was no seek and destroy and and uh, cutting off the ring. I mean, that, that two arts that, that you always can appreciate when you see in, in a fight is when a fighter can definitely be a tactician and know how to cut the ring off on his opponent 
and also the art of, of fainting and countering and moving and and uh, you know those are the things that that really help a fighter uh, try to to set up another fighter and and yeah what you saw the other night I agree with both fighters in in their own way were waiting to see what they can make happen instead of being proactive and creating an opportunity to happen. And that's what I didn't see. Whether they had too much respect for each other or whatever, I didn't see them wanting to engage, throw the combinations, let it all fly out, let it all hang out, and and try to say, hey, this is the tempo, this is the tone, this is what it was. That's what I'm saying. The last three rounds look like the first three rounds to my book. Yeah, well, I I mean... You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, I, you know, in all due respect, Anthony Joshua was winning on the, on the scorecards. No, Anthony Joshua, you know, I, I gave him pretty much a pitch out. You know, uh, why do people, I, I want to know when, 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 when a guy like Floyd Mayweather who didn't engage with anybody except a woman, and I don't mean in bed, I mean slapping her around, um, they call that the sweet science. But then a guy like Anthony Joshua who stays, you know, uh, uh, you know disciplined, and he's waiting for Parker to make a mistake, but in the same time, he's still winning the fight. He's being criticized for not being able to take Parker out of there, and you know nobody looks at that as a scientific approach, uh, you know, sweet scientific approach. So, I, you know, I mean, it's a double standard here. I, I mean, you know, we either want a guy like Mike Tyson who's going to seek and destroy no matter who he fights. Um, or you get a guy that knows when to seek and destroy and knows when to box. And I think that the game plan here, let's face it, Joseph Parker has a solid chin. He's never been down in his career ever as an amateur or a pro. And, and um, he did it, have a title belt. He's no slouch. No, he's no slouch. And the truth of the matter is, too, that obviously Anthony Joshua did his homework and respected Joseph Parker. Well, why wouldn't you respect Joseph Parker? I mean, I mean, listen— you know, as we're taking, uh, you know, and 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 comparing uh, Joseph, I mean, uh, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder all the time. You know, when you look at uh, Wilder's record, there's one quality fighter on that record, one, and that was Luis Ortiz. Um, you know, where does Joseph Parker fit when you put Ortiz's name? Is Joseph Parker better than Luis Ortiz? Is Luis Ortiz better than Joseph Parker? Could Luis Ortiz? have done better against Joseph Parker than AJ? I mean, what do you think about that, Sal? Um, I think Luis Ortiz would have fought a different fight and it would uh with the and I think he would have uh probably uh it's a different again, styles make fights and you know, Luis Ortiz is not gonna be the smaller guy coming in boxing bobbing and weaving and slipping and countering. You know, I thought that Joseph Parker had that great opportunity where he could have uh, even made himself smaller and make himself a harder target for AJ to hit by 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 keeping his hands up, being lower, slipping those punches, coming in, trying to uh, counter and try to cut the ring off on AJ. Be the boxer coming forward as the puncher coming in and uh, get inside. That would should have been his goal to hit the body, to get the target, to slip underneath those punches, to work his way in. But like I said, he decided to try and stand straight up and, and box and trade with a bigger guy like this. And they were, you know, punch for punch. They were going tit for tat. And it was, it was, uh, it, it just produced a, what I saw was a very um, uh, uneventful fight. That's all. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, so 
it's so hard. I mean, well, so hard. we don't want to we don't want to give him no. But my point is, you don't want to give him credit for for you know boxing smart. No, I, I I give him credit. I give him credit. But when you're looking at AJ, who's got a 99 percent knockout uh, ratio, uh, and a Floyd Mayweather who does not, you know, you could expect certain things from certain fighters. And I just thought that maybe um, uh, I think they gave each other a lot of respect. That's all I'm going to say, and uh, and and maybe rightfully so because they know each other had the capability of. of of landing a big bomb, but you know this is boxing. You got to fight to win, as Aaron Pryor used to say. And uh, I didn't see that sense of urgency from either side. That's all. Well, um, and AJ was ahead, clearly ahead. He was winning the rounds, so he did what he had to do to win, and he won. Okay, uh, I, I guess I I, I would have expected a little bit more uh, from Joseph Joseph Parker's side to create a little bit more action to, to look to cut the ring off, to look to get inside, to look to do something. And, uh, you know, and styles make fights. Like I said, maybe these guys just had the right style not, not to make it look like a, uh, a kind of a uh, fight that was going to be uh, one where they're going to have some big exchanges. They both wanted to try and be tacticians and, and box from the outside. That's all. Um, I got a couple of more emails and some news and stuff uh, that we'll get to. Uh, we got Dax Khan scheduled to uh, join us here at the next break. Um, don't forget, if you're uh, in the uh, YouTube chat, would love to get a super chat from you. And uh, I'm working on uh, learning all the lingo there in that uh, <laughs> YouTube uh, uh, boxing community. We have been on YouTube for a while, but uh, we're really uh, playing around with it now. So we appreciate all the support and the education. Um you know, all this talk about, uh, you know, Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder. Uh, the bottom line is the fight has to be made. Um, you know, I, I still feel that Anthony Joshua is going to knock uh, Deontay Wilder out. I, I, I really think so. But on the other hand, what makes it such an intriguing fight is that, you know, Deontay Wilder has that freakish punching power. And as long as he can stay in the game, and the one thing I will say about Deontay Wilder, something that you can't say about Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua seems to run out of gas and has to refuel during the fight. I've never really seen Deontay Wilder get tired. Um, at least I'd never noticed it. I've never really seen his mouth open. Not that AJ's mouth is open. Um, I, 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 you know, I clearly have seen Deontay take a, a round off, but never... Um, Never where I would say that he's exhausted and he needs to get a second wind. And I think that that's going to be a major uh, uh, situation in that fight as well. Uh, but, uh, but I think that when and if they have a fight, and don't, I wouldn't be surprised if they never fight, but, uh, but when and if they have a fight, I, I think you're going to see what Deontay does. Deontay is a headhunter. He's, he's, he's a one-trick pony. He's got a power punch, and he's going to be patient and wait to try to land that punch. AJ is going to be patient and try to wait to land a counter punch. When when uh, Deontay Wilder throws his wild punches and, and he's out of position uh, the way he has been, look at any of his fights from his first pro fight up until the last one, you'll see that he's out of position after he throws his, after he throws his punches. The question is, 
Will he be able to land a solid punch and take AJ out before AJ can land a solid punch on him? You know, this the the I know that sounds stupid, but that's the truth. You know, uh, um, you know, Deontay Wilder has this knack of finding a home for his punch. Uh, he's never fought anyone as good as AJ, uh, with the exception of 175-year-old uh, Luis Ortiz. So it's an intriguing fight, and after all. You know, AJ wants to kill somebody in the ring, so um, maybe AJ, maybe he's trying to kill AJ. I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, in any event. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Dax Khan is scheduled to join us. We'll get his thoughts on the fight. I got a couple of more emails about the fight. I got uh, one that's uh, pretty interesting, uh, and it was something that we were kind of chatting about in the uh, YouTube chat. So, uh don't go anywhere, boys and girls. Uh, we will be back in approximately two minutes. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where, you know, we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And speaking about being with us, joining us right now, all the way from, well, downstate New York, is uh, my man uh, Dax Khan. You like that one, huh? Yeah, yeah, I like, I like <laughs> that <go>. one. <laughs> I woke up this morning all um, confused. Um, getting ready to send my son to school. He says, Dad, the bus never showed up. Then he looks on the website and says, oh, school's not till tomorrow. And I'm looking out the window and I'm going, oh, today's April 1st. It's snowing out. It's April Fool's Day. No, it's the 2nd. Eh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But uh, Anthony Joshua against uh, Joseph Parker. Um, you know, you you said uh, when you were uh, giving us your thoughts on that fight, you, you, you were the only guy that really pointed out that Joseph Parker had a solid chin. And that's all that kept, you know, you ruined my day uh, when I was watching that fight because that's all that kept popping into my head. I'm going, oh, geez. You know, I'm predicting a knockout. Everybody's predicting a knockout. I said, friggin' Dax said that he's got David Tewood-like uh, chin. And it kind of proved to be true. I mean, I, I'm not saying that AJ landed anything with, you know, super killer power. Got to be careful using that word. You know, uh, destructive power. But he did display, Joseph Parker did display that he uh, held up pretty well. What was your thoughts on the fight, the outcome, everything else? Um, you know, first and foremost, um, as for Joseph Parker and that uh, comment, you know, leading up to the fight and uh, the press releases, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the meetings and stuff, Joseph Parker gave me this Austin Trout impression, even though I wasn't over there in the U.K., but um, over here in the United States, Austin Trout leading up to Miguel Cotto. 
uh, was very, very similar to how Joseph Parker was. Uh, Austin Trout came always in a tie. Um, he was reserved. He was happy with that B-side role because he knew that, you know, no matter what, that's where he was. And, you know, he, he goes out there and um, he, he dominates. He beats Miguel Cotto. And, you know, Joseph Parker gave me that feeling. And um, the fact that, you know, there was no buzz surrounding him. In this sport, you know, we've always learned that usually when there's no buzz surrounding that guy and, and there's that other guy that, you know, we've already declared the winner before the fight happens, it never goes that way. Um, and even though Joseph Parker didn't come out ahead, um, he surprised a lot of people. I think there was a lot of um, expectations surrounding this fight that there shouldn't have been. I think that uh, the fans and the sport, you know, we wanted something more than we should have. You know, we have to remember these are both really young champions. Uh, you know, they, they have a limited amount of uh, high-profile opponents, uh, despite Joshua facing Klitschko and uh, a few other names. Uh, you know, even when he won the title against Charles Martin, you know, those guys weren't established. Uh, Vladimir Klitschko, uh, you know, passed his best years. So, you know, we, you know, we had to, um, you know, understand these guys, despite being bell holders, which is a problem in this era, guys having these titles too soon, you know, they're, they're pretty much, they're, they're raw fighters, you know, they're not novices, but, you know, they're really not at that level that we're expecting to see in these great championship fights. Um, you know, um, what I did notice, too, is that um, the, the massive size of Anthony Joshua, despite the fact that he lost his 10 pounds from his last fight, um, he's still very much overly muscle-bound. Um, uh, Vladimir Klitschko, if you look at some old pictures of the Klitschko-Joshua buildup, Vladimir Klitschko was so much bigger than Anthony Joshua, maybe not bulk-wise, but, you know, there was like this size difference between Klitschko and um, Joshua, as it was with Joshua and Joseph Parker, and Parker's a big guy, and, and Joseph Parker, he utilized that. He came into there with a very smart game plan. You know, um, he worked the jab, even though he fell short, he kept Anthony Joshua very confused. Anthony Joshua was actually um, concerned about that jab. He didn't seem to know how to get past that jab. Uh, Joseph Parker, maybe if he would have committed a little bit more and he would have followed it up with the right hand, I think um, there's a good chance he would have knocked Anthony Joshua out. Uh, Anthony Joshua, at those small times where Joseph Parker was able to come off the ropes, and with those leaping hooks, Anthony Joshua looked very confused. Anthony Joshua in those mid-rounds, um, he was tired a little bit. Um, Joseph Parker did buckle his legs once or twice. Uh, you know, so I, I really do believe that Joseph Parker, he lost this fight, in my opinion, because of he didn't uh, really uh, commit to that jab. Um, Joseph Parker went into this fight five rounds down. Those The scores were criminal. How I exactly had the fight scored myself, I gave round one to Joseph Parker because he set the pace. He's the one who decided, you know, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to throw this many jabs. Um, rounds two and three I gave to Joshua because Parker um, allowed Joshua to come forward. Uh, rounds four through seven I gave to Joseph Parker for the reasons that I said. Anthony Joshua just really didn't know how to deal with that jab. He didn't know how to cut the ring off. Um, you know, Parker uh, was missing more than he was landing, obviously. Round eight I gave to Joshua because um, you know, he managed, uh, you know, to hold Parker, get a few of those uppercuts in there. Joseph Parker knew all night long those uppercuts were coming. He either had his arm out there or he would roll with them. So Anthony Joshua went to that well, uh, you know, too many times. You know, round nine, uh, Parker again had uh, Joshua confused. Joshua didn't know how to cut the ring off. Uh, referee uh, Giuseppe Cortone, uh, you know, he allowed Joshua to decide it's time to take a break. I got to fix my hand wraps. Um, I gave the final three rounds to Anthony Joshua, but I actually had the fight scored 115-113 for Joseph Parker, just simply for the fact that he shut Anthony Joshua down. Anthony Joshua wasn't able to do anything except 
wonder, you know, on what to do. And Joseph Parker, you know, he hurt himself by, you know, just not committing to that jab a little bit more and coming in there a little bit more and just landing at least one of those two jabs that he pumped out. In my opinion, he would have clearly won that fight. But those scores uh, really of um, 118-110 twice and 118-09, that, that's criminal. Why didn't they just come out loud and just say, Joseph Parker, if we allow this fight to be even remotely close you realize how much harder it's going to be to sell Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. We can't have one guy come back from the verge of being knocked out to score his own knockout and then have Anthony Joshua in this dull, close performance that everybody's going to see on paper and say, well, what happened here? You know, that, that that's just making this too hard for us. So this is why we did this, Joseph Parker. But Joseph Parker, you know, he handled it with class. He accepted it. Um, he accepted the... Um, the, the fans' hospitality, uh, you know, these fans, you know, or, you know, they're almost like, you know, they're blinded by the shiny object. Uh, you know, they refuse to allow any of these guys, you know, to, to um, do something in terms of, of boxing. You know, you mentioned earlier how it was a tactical fight. It, it was a tactical fight, but, you know, the expectations and what was supposed to happen, uh, you know, it just didn't happen. And, you know, we just have to accept this is what we have right here. There is no dominant champion. None of these guys are dominant. Right now, this is the vision that's building. These fighters are building. None of these guys should actually have titles. You know, it, it's a weak division. It, it, it's a weak era. And right now, we definitely have, despite the talent pool, despite the potential, despite the amateur background, we have manufactured champions. And, and, and I stand by that and I stick with that. Manufactured champions. Wow. Let, let, I, me, ju let me just, I did you that. say that you scored the fight for Parker? I scored it 115-113 for Joseph Parker. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, brother. I mean, I, I, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that I, I didn't see, you know, the, the announcing team, which I tell everybody I have to, you know, mute because of Ronaldo. But um, the truth of the matter is, is I didn't see any punch that actually landed flush on AJ. There seemed to be times, and somebody had said, I don't know if it was a chat room or if Sal mentioned it or whatever, I'm, I'm lo I can't keep up with all of it. My mind just doesn't work that fast anymore. But um, it, it seemed at times that he got caught. But then, you know, when you see the replay, well, it was an email. You see the replay, and you realize that he wasn't, that he was fumbling around like Deontay does, you know, getting caught up in his own feet and everything else. I give Parker a lot of credit for sticking with his game plan. He definitely gave AJ trouble with all that movement. And my biggest knock, and Sal and I talked about this um, before uh, uh, we went on air and also, you know, when we opened up the show, I think that... Um, the worst thing about Anthony Joshua's performance, in my opinion, was his lack of ability of cutting off the ring. That's what he needed to do against Parker. And um, I don't think I, I think Parker was was complacent and, and happy to go the distance. I I can't see him winning the fight. Uh, the scorecards I gave the first round to Parker, and I gave one other round to Parker. That's it. The rest of the fight I gave to. Uh, to Anthony Joshua, but uh, you, it was an interesting when, fight. You have to when when you have fights like this, and um, in a second I'll reference Terence Crawford. You have to say to yourself, okay, one of two things win fights: either it's the guy who controls the tempo, dictates the pace, or you go with the guy with effective aggression. And, of course, that bars the knockout. Um, Anthony Joshua did not have effective aggression. Joseph Parker dictated the pace. He made the fight at his pace. Anthony Joshua didn't force him to the ropes. Joseph Parker willingly went to the ropes. Um, if Anthony Joshua was cutting off the ring, which I argue with a lot of these fans about, 
if you were cutting off the ring, your opponent would not have went in the same direction for 12 rounds. If you know how to cut off the ring and you're doing that effectively, your opponent would not be going in that same direction for 12 rounds, keeping uh, you at, the, at, at that same pace, keeping you limited to that same offense. And the fact that Joseph Parker was able to do that showed that Anthony Joshua was just out of his depth. And that's why, you know, I scored those rounds for Joseph Parker. Neither guy was doing anything overly telling, but Joseph Parker was the more intelligent fighter. He knew the uppercuts were coming. He knew how to uh, make Anthony Joshua uncomfortable. Anthony Joshua showed to be uncomfortable. You said that yourself. Joseph Parker, in, in my opinion, you know, where he really failed was he just didn't really commit to those double jabs. It wasn't an exciting fight whatsoever, but I do believe that Joseph Parker fought the smarter fight, and Joseph Parker was the one who carried out his game plan. Anthony Joshua did not carry out his game plan, and that's why I scored those those rounds for Joseph Parker, those, you know, especially close rounds. I wouldn't have had a problem with Anthony Joshua winning at 115-113, but those scorecards were absolutely absurd, you know. It, uh, they were shameful. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, like I was saying earlier, you know, it seems like Anthony Joshua is in uh, a lose-lose situation unless he, you know, blows away his opposition. You know, it's a double standard we have in this sport. You can have certain fighters that, you know, claim they're fighting the sweet science where they don't engage and they run and they, they throw a couple punches and go to the other end of the ring and people are trying to tell us, oh, that's the sweet science, uh, hit and not get hit. Um, I didn't see many punches that landed uh, on uh, uh, Anthony Joshua, I did notice that he seemed very bothered by, uh, you know, unintentional headbutts, which, uh, you know, I'm sitting there watching this fight, and I'm saying, uh, you know, uh, if, if a fight is rough and tumble, does AJ fall apart? Now, I'm not suggesting that Parker was fighting dirty or anything like that, but, you know, when you're giving up some height and, and a fighter has to get in close because of the lack of reach uh, and, and you clash heads, it just seemed like it bothered uh, AJ a little too much. I mean, you know, when and if he ever does uh, fight Deontay Wilder, the one thing we know for sure is it's going to be a rough and tumble fight. I mean, uh, it's not going to be uh, uh, a classic uh, definition of sweet science. It can't be because Wilder's style won't let it be, you know. So, uh, uh, I mean, that's that's what I see. That's, you know, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, and the pressure, who knows what pressure Anthony Joshua was having. You know, I said I was going to reference Terrence Crawford. You know, Terrence Crawford, you know, who might be, in my opinion, he is the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the sport. If not, you know, he's, you know, in the top two. Uh, before his, uh, he became a champion, as he was coming up, um, you know, he had a fight against Andre Klimov uh, at the time when Crawford was really gaining this attention and people were really looking at him closely. And that fight was such a stinker. You know, Klimov uh, did very much what uh, Joseph Parker did, and he just kept Terrence Crawford guessing. He would stay on the ropes, and uh, but Crawford was able to cut the ring off better than Anthony Joshua was. And after that fight, Terrence Crawford himself was bothered. He didn't get quite the criticism that Joshua was getting, but he was bothered, and he made these public apologies uh, to the fans on social media several times on, you know, it was hard to look good and hard to make a fight happen when you got an opponent who's in there and just looking to either survive or just go those rounds. Um, and that fight is what actually got him the Ricky Burns fight because Terrence Crawford seemed to be a guy who was very vulnerable, but he was marketable, and uh, we know what happened from there. That's the last time Terrence Crawford's had a dull fight, and that's the last time Terrence Crawford had has had a, uh, a fight where anybody can complain about. So that could be the case here with Anthony Joshua. You know, we don't know. We're going to have to see what happens next. You know, on Tuesday, I'm going to be on the uh, the media call with Deontay Wilder. I'm very curious to hear his thoughts on the fight. 
um, his thoughts on the version of Anthony Joshua, how he would fight Anthony Joshua in this. Um, you know, but uh, if that version of Anthony Joshua that we see on uh, Saturday, and I said the same thing about the version of Anthony Joshua that we've seen against Carlos Takam, goes in there against the version of Deontay Wilder, whether or not it was uh, Luis Ortiz or Deontay Wilder in one of his previous fights, I think that Deontay Wilder would end up catching Anthony Joshua because Anthony Joshua just doesn't seem to show this uh, willingness to come in there and impose himself when he should. Hey, Dax, I want to thank you because uh, you're, you're making us some, uh, some Super Chat money. Uh, Joseph Olson wants, he donated some money in the Super Chat to thank you for giving them a, a good laugh today with your, uh, with, your, with your win, with your Joseph Parker win. And I got somebody else asking uh, if you, what you thought of the referee. And I want to just thank uh, my man, Mr. Olson, for the uh, Super Chat. What would you think of the referee, Dax? Well, obviously the referee was horrible. You know, Giuseppe, you know, this is a guy who um, his only two previous uh, title fights, I think one was with uh, Vincent uh, Feigenboots. And um, and I know I uh, just butchered his name. Um, his last, his only other two title fights both ended by stoppage. Other than that, um, and he had one, and he had one female WBA title fight uh, a year or two ago. You know, so he this was um, this was definitely a situation he wasn't used to. And a lot of times when you get a referee and you put them in a situation like this for the first time, especially some of that magnitude with those many fans, a lot of times you see these referees feel pressured. Uh, they feel as though, you know something, I know that this is the star. I know what's expected of me. I'm expected to give this guy a little bit of leeway. I'm expected to look out for him. And one of the most absurd things I've ever seen in any refereeing job is when he actually stopped and he was trying to fix the tape while the fight was going on. Um, just when we thought a fight was about to break out, I think in round five or round six, he stepped in there to stop it. I know. You know, so as far as this referee goes, uh, you know, this is a guy who, um, you know, maybe he should referee soccer games. I don't know, but a uh, big name fight is definitely not where he should be. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but, and, and, and Sal, you can answer first, but it seemed like every single time they got in close, he separated them. I mean, he didn't even give them the opportunity to fight out, right? I mean, I mean, every time they got in close where I'm saying, oh, maybe, maybe Parker's going to work the body. Maybe AJ's going to come up with an uppercut. Maybe, you know, and before I could even finish my thought, the guy's in between these two. Exactly. I mean, he, just, he, he didn't know he was at his depth. I don't know. I don't know. But you're right. When he when he uh, tried to fix that tape himself nonchalantly, I, I saw that too. I go, did he just try to wrap that tape around? I mean, come on, you know. But uh, hey, and and I I also thought it was pretty strange. What was the stat that he only fought that he only refereed five world championship fights um, going into that fight? Was that correct? I only know of two myself in the last couple of years that were in Germany. Um, I, again, it, uh, one was uh, Vincent uh, uh, Figgenbutz against, and I can't remember who it was, and I know there was a female uh, uh, WBA title fight. Those are the only two that I know of, and um, one, was last, one was in 2016, one was in 2015. Uh, for, you know, for the rest of his career, he's pretty much been on the European He's, he's uh, refereed a lot of uh, European title fights, EBU title fights, but never uh, you know any significant world title fights that I know of anyway. Yeah, I, I never saw him. I can't recall him being uh, refereeing any fight, to be honest with you. Uh, but, uh, but in any event. Uh, hey, Dax, uh, before we let you go, what's your thoughts on uh, Bob Bennett uh, appearing to finally make a stand against uh, uh, Canelo? Uh, it looks like this fight will not take place in May. We won't get an official word until April. Uh, but what's your thoughts on that? No, 
I, you know, I'm glad the example was set. I stated last week I like Canelo, but, you know, at some point in time we have to have integrity. And I stressed uh, what Japan did with the banning of Lewis Neary for life um, after his failed drug test in uh, August when uh, he stopped uh, Shinsuke Yamanaka for the WBC Bantamweight title. And despite um, the lifetime ban, in my opinion, being a little extreme, you know, they allowed Neri to actually fight Yamanaka again in a rematch, more for the benefit of Yamanaka. They wanted to say, you know what, did, did you actually beat him or did these uh, performance-enhancing drugs actually help you beat him? So if you can test clean, we're going to have a rematch. We're going to allow you to make your money. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they fight again, and he does beat Yamanaka. But, you know, he had the nerve to actually come in there overweight. It took him three times to get on the scale and make the weight. You know, and Japan said, you know something, this is not how a professional fighter works. This is not, you know, uh, this, is not, this is a professional sport, and, and there's standards you have to follow. Um, anything less makes it not professional boxing anymore it's just glorified um, tough man contest and you know the WBC makes a lot of money over in Japan you know those lower weight divisions over there you know that, that that's big money and you know the fact that Japan did that there was a lot of pressure on the WBC there was a lot of pressure on other commissions and um, Las Vegas if Las Vegas didn't start um, stepping it up and showing that you know what this is not all about money. We really want to be the place that um, can be, you know, or as they, in the last few years, they took over as, you know, the capital of boxing. And you're seeing places, um, you know, especially the UK, uh, bringing in these large fans or uh, Texas and Mexico with these 60, 70, 80,000 fans. If Las Vegas didn't do something, all credibility is lost. And, um, you know, any promoter worth um, anything would not uh, be there anymore. So Bob Bennett, this was more or less, even though you want to applaud the decision, it was a, a money decision. And they're looking at that future, saying to themselves, if we don't do something now, we're going to lose the bigger money to come in. So whatever happens next, I don't know. But um, it was the right decision. I really can't applaud it. It was just more or less a business decision rather than a moral decision. Well, you know, I mean, he did say um, last time they put a mic in front of him at a live event that his main objective is the safety of the fighters. If he lets this fight go on, uh, that would contradict that statement. It would certainly become a hypocritical statement. But uh, Dax... Appreciate your uh, time and your uh, thoughts on the fight. And uh, we look forward to you next time, my man. All right, everybody. Enjoy your day. Hey, Take don't care, hurt Jack. your back shoveling, man. Yeah, okay. As soon as you come down here and you shovel, though, yeah. I'll shovel you. I'll come up and shovel. I don't have any. I don't even have any. I don't even have. We didn't, we're not getting any of it. So let it stay down there. But uh, anyway, we'll see you later, All Dax. Right, have a good day. See, Dax has he's getting the snow, and uh, for the first time, uh, we're not, Sal. But uh, um, yeah, Bob Bennett had to do. He had to do it. I, I don't think that there was any other choice. I mean, what, what do you think? I give him credit. Yeah, well, you, you have. I mean, I mean, you got to give him credit. You know, I, I mean, really, you you do, you do. But uh, in any event, I got another email to read, Sal. Uh, for all the uh, TV and radio affiliates, we're not taking a break here. Uh, what the heck, you know, Dak just got us a, a super chat. Uh, they uh, liked the laugh, and they, they threw us a super chat in the uh, chat room up on uh, <clears throat> YouTube. And I want to thank everybody that's uh, uh, watching us on uh, YouTube. And, and make sure you subscribe. We're trying to increase the, subscrip the subscribers, the subscriptors. I can't even talk today, but that doesn't change. The, the, the encryption. The subscriptors. <laughs> but uh, this one's from my man Stuart from the U.K. He says... Uh, Hey, Billy C. and Sal, I look forward to hearing your views on what, what turned out to be a tactical affair on Saturday. You know, it, it really, uh, it seems, uh, 
you know, uh, tactical uh, is what the British fans are saying, and boring is what the American fans are saying. Um, Paulie Malinaji uh, used the term tactical, uh, kept trying to uh, emphasize that it was such a tactical fight uh, during uh, the broadcast, at least the portion that I watched. Uh, but uh, I don't know. They're, they they are uh, not non-biased. But anyway, he says, uh, I personally thought that, this is Stewart says, I personally thought that it was a good educated performance from Anthony Joshua, keeping Parker on the end of his jab and taking the center of the ring on a number of occasions. Sure, it wasn't the barnstormer that we wanted. However, if you can win a decision comfortably like he did, there's no point turning it into the war for the sake of it. He went 12 rounds for the first time and appeared to take it in stride, although it wasn't a uh, frantic pace. Uh, Parker lacked ideas. I agree with that. He, he never changed his game plan, Sal. He really didn't. No. Uh, he no. says, I do understand the criticism of the ref spoiling the flow and preventing uh, both from working in close. However, my personal feeling is that uh, should both have been left to work away, AJ would have caught Parker with a big uppercut and hurt him. It's a shame, though, as Parker is a likable guy, and <clears throat> he will no doubt feel deflated. I hope he comes back and continues to grow as a fighter. Remember, he was uh, substantially younger. I think he was only 24 or 25 or something like that. So uh, I'm sure he'll be back. Oh, uh, yes. He says, for AJ, it's time to come across the pond to the U.S., uh, but as yes. he suggested after the fight, he doesn't need to. Money isn't an issue. As long as he keeps winning, he's keep he's going to keep getting paid. Even a loss wouldn't stop the millions from coming in. But what about the legacy and his place in history? Sure, he needs to fight and win multiple times in the U.S. to gain the respect of the boxing world. Or does he? The U.S. will ultimately always be a global power in world boxing and respected. But I think we may be witnessing a shift in power away from America. Could be temporary, but then again... It could become permanent. Maybe when the U.S. comes calling, A.J. and others are thinking, we just don't need you anymore. We're doing fine. Eddie Hearn will be thinking otherwise, no doubt. He definitely wants a piece of the U.S., so inevitably, A.J. will be dusting off that pot passport. Uh, what's your thoughts? The show's great. Keep it going. Um, my thoughts on this, Sal, thanks for the email, Stuart, is that the Very U.K. Good, is in the driver's seat right now. I've been saying this for almost a decade that the UK carries professional boxing on its back. And it's really evident now. Uh, the fighters are willing to fight each other domestically. They're willing to come over here. They're willing to fight over there. I mean, the, the British fighters are willing to do what fighters do. Fight. The American fighters are focused on greed. They're focused on ducking. They're focused on this. They're focused on that. Everything but fighting. You know? Uh, no, I don't think AJ needs to fight in the U.S. I think he wants to, but he does not need to. Right now, uh, obviously, the fight that we want to see, Deontay Wilder against Anthony Joshua, is a two-fight deal. When they agree, if they ever agree, it's going to be a home-and-home -home deal. One fight in the U.S., one fight in the U.K. I don't know which one is first. I would think the U.K. fight would be first, um, but uh, it is what it is. Deontay has to understand that he's not in the driver's seat like he thinks he is. Um, he is not a guy who says, hey, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. They got to come to me. No, they don't. Because Anthony Joshua can continue to make $20 million, never step foot on the U.S. soil, 
and not have to fight Deontay. And guess what? He's going to go down in history as being a better fighter because of the collection of belts that he's had. Anthony Joshua is a bigger name than Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder has an opportunity to prove it, and all he's got to do is fight. His name and value will go up even if he loses against AJ. So, no, uh, I think that uh, the bottom line is no. Um, we do not have to have fights in the U.S. The U.S. is not uh, the, the leader in boxing. Uh, I feel that England is. I, I really do. What's your thoughts on that, Sal? Well, we've often said that. I mean, the U.K. has been carrying boxing uh, for a long time. And, you know, the, the, the fight and the demand and the fans are still alive and well here in the United States. I, I think we just need to really uh, stand behind the sport of boxing and make it more evident and, and look for more of what we we are looking for. I mean, seek it and and uh, and call for it and uh, let these promoters read and say, hey, guess what? We got to give back to the fans what, what they're looking for. The top contenders, top world champions. That's a shame I have to say top world champions because there's so many belts. Um, to be out there and getting in a ring with each other. That's what the fans are looking for. That's what the fans want. They, that's why they go to MMA. It's a clear decision. Who's going to win? It's a, it's a tap out or it's a knockout. And either way, uh, you know, it's usually uh, clear and uh, uh, no controversy. Here we need to really define who winners are, how they go about it, and what they're going to do. And I think, you know, we can give uh, the fans the top opponents fighting each other then boxing is going to be alive and well in the United States again, and as it has been for the last year and a half going into the second year, which I think is proving to be a good year too. A lot of it, um, a lot of it also has to do with the television uh, execs that make the decision. For some reason, yes. and I believe, I, I believe, and, and you know, and I mean this seriously, Floyd Mayweather has to be to blame because he was successful at selling the O. And the value of the O. So since that, since his success, which really should only be, uh, you know, uh, guide looked upon as just for Floyd, because Floyd was successful at marketing the O, and he was successful at it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what's happened is he's gone, and the guys making the decision, the network execs making the decisions, are still putting all the value in the O. So what's happening is the United States fighters, are, they, they're, they're scared. They're scared to lose their O because they feel that they'll lose their value. In the UK and in Europe and other places, they understand that it's not about value because their promoters are, like you say all the time, Sal, grassroots promotion. You know, a fighter loses. There's years ago, a fighter would make uh, more, get more fans sell more tickets after a loss because people are dying to see what's, what he's going to do after he comes back. Mike Tyson was an example of that. Correct. After he Correct. lost, people couldn't Correct. wait to see him again, right? I mean, I mean, that's how you reverse that marketing trend. But unfortunately, because of laziness on the promoter's part here in the States, they just get sucked into this O thing. And that's what's happening to Deontay. Deontay has to fight AJ. AJ has to fight Deontay. That fight has to take place. But you know what the sad truth is, Sal? If it doesn't, it's not going to hurt either one of them, really. It's going to hurt Deontay more than AJ. What do you think? Well, it, it would, but I think because, uh, of, of course, AJ has the majority of all the world title belts. But guess what? They could each make a, their own version of, 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 uh, of a championship uh, run 
and uh, you know, one doing domestically here, and of course AJ would do it over there, and um, you know, they'll, they'll be defending their belts against other opponents. They'll be making some money here or there, but if they're smart enough and realize that the sport of boxing is alive and will thrive with seeing these two guys get in a ring, they got to be fair with each other. In other words, I think that Anthony Joshua can't just be a strong arm and say, hey, I'm the more popular, I'm this and that, and this is what you're going to get. They've got to be reasonable, and they've got to be able to understand that it's going to be both these dance partners getting in the ring together, and there's got to be a happy medium. Do I say it's a 50-50 split? It doesn't have to be, but there's got to be some concessions that go to both fighters. And you know, It's like my old attorney from Hackensack, New Jersey, used to say, Sal, the best, the best uh, outcome in any kind of debate is when both sides don't feel like they quite have won, but they also feel like they did not lose either. And that's a happy medium that I think these two camps should look to provide to get this evident, done, signed, sealed, and delivered to the deserving fans that want to see this fight actually happen. Fans and got- with the rematch clause, these guys can go off in the sunset. It just takes two fights, and they're set for life. And and you know what? They could do one domestically uh, over here, one over there. And it doesn't have to be in necessarily any order. No, and that, and that should be the plan. But Deontay's being misled. I got one more email. This is from my friend Matt. He says, hey, Billy C., what if all it, and he's referring to Triple G and Canelo, he says, what if this is all a trick and we're going to actually see Floyd, who's been training, come back and fight Triple G when Canelo gets suspended? He says, no, Billy it. C. He says, no, God, Billy C. We're going to be all put to sleep again for another boring Floyd fight. Tell me it won't nope. be true. Thanks and keep up the great work. Hey, thanks for the chuckle. This is, uh, a, uh, as far as I'm concerned, a uh, uh, April's Fool's joke because Floyd has never... Uh, challenged himself uh, outside of uh, taking, uh, you know, fights that he knew he was going to win. Um, I got some news. How about how about an update on Keith Thurman? We've been all critical yeah, of where, Keith Thurman. Where has he been? Listen, uh, you're not going to believe this. Uh, Keith Thurman, who's, uh, you know, uh, at one point I thought he was the best uh, uh, welterweight out there. Uh, then all of a sudden he's come up with all these excuses of why he can't fight injuries, so-called car accidents, all this stuff. Well, several weeks ago they announced that he will be returning to the ring on May 19th at the Barclays Center, although no opponent had been listed. We all started thinking these dream fights with, with, um, with him and Spence Jr., et cetera, et cetera. Well, it was announced uh, over the weekend that Keith Thurman has injured his hand and will not be in the ring on May 19th. Uh, That uh, it will be uh, as determined. They're going to see what's going to happen. Therefore, uh, the uh, fight, uh, that's why uh, uh, that other fight is being uh, classified as an elimination fight uh, leading up to this. So uh, uh, Thurman will be forced. But can you believe this? Another injury, this time a deep bruise. And you know about deep bruises, Sal. Oh, they don't I've show up as X. Bruises. Well, they don't show up in x-rays yeah. or nothing else. So is Keith Thurman telling another story? Keith Thurman, at one time, I thought was one of the best. I have lost every little bit of respect for Keith Thurman. Errol Spence has taken over, in my opinion, at welterweight, even though he's only had uh, two fights at the championship level. Keith Thurman. Uh, is he's become a, a joke? What's your thoughts? Well, I I don't want to quite go as far as telling uh, saying that I think he's become a joke, 
but I do think that he's doing a little wiggle dance, and I'll tell you what, it's not good because uh, he's losing some more and more credibility each time he cannot follow through with a fight date. Um, the fight that I would like to see in a welterweight division, uh, such a coincidence that you would mention it, would be Errol Spence versus Keith Thurman. I think that would be a mega fight. I think that would be a great fight. And in my humble opinion right now, I think that Errol Spence would teach uh, Keith Thurman a valuable lesson that time. Well, it seems like Keith Thurman is is specifically trying to avoid um, Errol Spence, to be honest with you. But uh, uh, one other thing thing I wanted to mention real quickly, Yanni Gonzalez. Now, now this is a throwback fighter. Uh, He's no spring chicken. He's got to be pushing 40. Um, He's got a record of 65 wins, 10 losses. Uh, with 54 of his wins coming by knockout. Uh, we'll be uh, getting back into the ring uh, this weekend, April 7th, uh, against uh, uh, Marilyn uh, Cabrera, who's uh, 24-1. Um, you know, I've always, the only reason why I mention this is I'm always uh, wishing uh, Gonzalez uh, uh, success because I love guys that are, uh, you know, blue-collar fighters, and he's clearly uh, one of them. But uh, uh, listen, boys and girls, on this day, April 2nd, in boxing history, in 2005, Jean-Marc Mormack wins a 12-round decision over Wayne Braithwaite uh, to win the World uh, Cruiserweight title to place in Massachusetts. On this day in 2005, also on the same card, Luis Colazzo wins a 12-round decision over Jose Antonio Riva to win the WBA World Welterweight title. Uh, also on that card in Massachusetts. On this day, April 2nd, in 1954, Bobo Olsen wins a 15-round decision over Kid Gavilan to retain his world middleweight title in Chicago. In case you guys don't know it, Kid Gavilan's trunks are right there. And, oh, by the way, Joe Frazier's are right above him. So, um, Yeah, I got Frazier and Kid Gavilan right behind me. Um, in nineteen, On this day in 1943, Bo Jack wins a 10-round decision over the great Henry Armstrong to retain his world lightweight title to place at Madison Square Garden in New York City. On this day in 1903, Joe Walcott retains his world welterweight title when uh, he battles Billy Woods to a 20-round draw in uh, Los Angeles, California. And finally, on this day, April 2nd, in 1983, one of your favorite fighters, Aaron Pryor, knocks out Sang-Hon Lim Kim sorry, uh, in the third round to retain his WBA uh, World Junior Welterweight title, and that took place at the Sands Casino, Sal, in Atlantic City, New Jersey, uh, on this day in April 2nd. I'm sure that brings back uh, some memories for you, eh? Big time, big time, pal. Well, listen, Big time. Well, listen, boys and girls, I'm glad you guys hung in there today. I uh, want to appreciate, want to give a shout-out and my appreciation to everybody that uh, hooked us up in the Super Chat. We hope that uh, we continue that trend. And uh, if you are watching or listening on our YouTube stream, uh, make sure you subscribe. Uh, we made a commitment to YouTube this year, and uh, we're hoping that uh, we can get some success there. Um, we got a busy show scheduled for you uh, tomorrow, so uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.